0: Brian McCubbin.
1: Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday.
0: Welcome. David Hall. Yep, yep. And Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Well, on the show today, we will review the E NASCAR Coke race at Richmond and how two Coke drivers made some big impacts on the real racing world. We get a first sneak peek at what's coming up in the next build in June, talk road course track limits. And which Tifosi teammate won the week in NASCAR fantasy?
1: And remember, just uh, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting to show notes. So uh, hop on and we'll see you then.
2: We jump into the actual race. Uh, we got a few uh, additional news stories for the Coke race, Mike.
0: Yeah, Coke Series driver Vicente Salas gets a real-world real, real world big win at Hickory Motor Speedway this week with a nice crossover move. Congratulations to Vicente. And they call that the birthplace of the NASCAR Stars, that particular track. Uh, it was a pretty uh, neat little last uh, few laps of the race, and uh, he got it done.
1: It was a, it was an awesome uh, crossover because uh, the the car that was uh, finished in second eventually um, took the lead on the first lap of the green white checker. and uh, as he was exiting turn three, he cleared Vicente, and Vicente was able to uh, get some momentum coming off of the higher line and go underneath him and hold his line through the uh, three and four and take the win. It was a. Uh, well, well, well done, well done move, and uh, a really good job by Vicente to win a, a race at a historic track in Hickory.
0: Now, shout out to Alan Cavana and Justin Malillo for reporting on this next story. Uh, they did a great job on it. There's a, a lot happened here in the last week with uh, Victory Lane, it was Tyler Reddick in the real race. Uh, And he actually credited the the work done by one of his 2311 racing teammates for his speed throughout the event. No, he wasn't talking about Bubba or Kurt or even Denny. Uh, Reddick was actually talking about iRacing's uh, Keegan Leakey, the 2021 E-NASCAR Coke iRacing Series champion. He said, quote, Keegan really helped me shave off some more time in the simulator and it really paid off when we got here. It correlated very well, said Tyler Ruddick to SiriusXM NASCAR radio after the race.
2: That pretty much sums it up that there there is no line anymore. It's it's a tool that is a part of real racing.
0: Yeah. Hamlin went on his podcast and spoke about the work that Leahy uh, was already doing for the team, revealing that the top sim driver was more than just one of their I racers on the team but also a hired employee of 2311 racing for this year. Quote, we just recently hired him at the team to work with us. And I know that him and Tyler have been worked together quite a bit in preparation for Coda. I was actually there and I was surprised. I walked into the sim and I'm like, oh, hey, Keegan, what's up? What are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm moving here in a month. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. It it sounds like uh Denny Hamlin doesn't know who's being hired <laughs> at his own uh, company. Um that seems sounds kind of funny, but um but though it, it is really cool that that happened. Um I I don't remember ever hearing uh, like a real race team hiring a sim racer as a, you know, as a trainer basically.
0: Well, let's don't forget um what's his name? Jobs. Is that it? Uh, he got, he's doing all the SIM work for, um, that Red, one Bull. Team. Red Bull, is right. It, yeah. That's Sebastian job, right? Sebastian job. Right. So, so we have heard of this, but this is the first time in NASCAR, right?
1: Yes. That, um, I haven't heard of it in any oval type of racing before.
2: Interesting. Like, uh, Mike Connie also said about the situation that code of performance from Reddick and that whole team showed that you can take somebody out of not only just the Coke series, but top tier iRacing as a whole. And if they've got great knowledge of the garage and a great ability to drive the car to its limit, you can take them and throw them in the manufacturer shim and they can extract just as much, if not more than the real cup driver is doing in the SIM session every day.
0: And that's, that's basically what happened is, you know, they're, when, when they say sim, they're talking about, um, the Toyota sim, I believe in in North Carolina, right. Um, not iRacing specifically, but with Keegan's help as a VRS coach, you know, he he's run there before and he's got experience. He knows where to shave off some lap time. You know, he, he goes and examines Tyler Reddick's lap, you know, he's like, Oh, we'll do this a little bit. You know, you're, you need to drive a little deeper here, cut, cut more here, you know, something like that. And boom, he, you know, he's got a half a half a second or something.
1: I, I guess uh, Keegan's uh, meteorology uh, career has been put on hold for a little while. Cause I remember having interviews with him where he's, he was just finishing up school for meteorology.
0: Now, I got to give shout out to Justin Melillo over at Traxian.gg. If you go over there, he's got a long form article, including uh, some of the quotes we read, but a lot more. There's a nice quote from Keegan about this opportunity, uh, how he got invited to go to a, go to the tra- uh, race uh, and sit on the pit box and visit with the team. And he expressed interest. They were interested and one thing led to another and now he's got a job there and it's really not clear exactly what his job is. It's kind of morphing as they go, you know, it's kind of building into, uh, I think he said it was a performance director or something.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and if anything, NASCAR is like one of those, uh, one of those, uh, sports where people just, they, they somebody is successful or something and everybody starts copycatting, you know, is this going to open the door for more positions like this in other uh, manufacturers and other uh, teams? Um, seems like a possibility to w- the way that that NASCAR likes to follow uh, copy different uh, strategies from other teams when, when they've had success like this, you know, who, who, who would be the next person that, to uh, have a situation like this arise?
0: Wow. That's a very, you know, Good thing to say, because it's probably likely, you know, when you look at these team owners and NASCAR and how much money they spend just to get a little bit of advantage, I mean, it's very inexpensive to hire some sim racer to come on the team and be a driver coach, you know, and try to coach your drivers to get, you know, another 10th on these road courses and stuff.
1: Yeah. It seems like almost like a no brainer. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys out there that, that can, that can uh, help in this way. Um, I'm thinking like Bobby Zelensky, He's a he's an excellent, of course. Yeah, um, even even some of the guys who aren't around right now, like um, um, Ray Alfala. I mean, that guy's been around forever. He knows he knows the sims as well as anybody.
0: Right. It it really is fascinating to me because Keegan Leahy, to me is the first person as well, besides Sebastian Job, but the first person on the NASCAR side to really turn this into a job i mean he, you know he he got the job because of doing well in i racing you know and building relationships with denny hamlin and his team you know he won the championship his championship year was one at you know under Dan, uh, denny's team so and, and i think that kind of cemented cemented it a bit so here's what he says here's another quote it's just a big mismatch of whatever I can do to help the race car or the drivers be faster for the race. I'm able to leverage my physics degree. I'm able to leverage my knowledge of sim racing, like how to drive a car, which everyone knows is getting closer and closer to real life.
2: All right. Well, who took Richmond, Mike?
0: Well, we're not going to go into the usual race review as usual. After I read it, I was just like, it's a restart and it's a caution. It's a restart and it's a caution. And it was very repetitive and it didn't sound interesting for the show. So we're going to skip the play by play, but that was kind of the pattern of the night. I mean, the first part of the race was fairly clean, but once we get into the, the caution pattern, it, you know, it was, it was pretty regular. But, uh, I tell you what, Bobby Zelensky survived, um, all of those late cautions to pick up his 12th career iRacing series win which does tie him with Keegan Leahy for fifth on the all-time wins list. He's also the only driver to win in the last seven seasons. But he stayed up front during all these restarts and uh, just drove away when it, whenever they uh, got the green and was able to keep it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the reason he wasn't involved in any accidents or any of the nonsense that was going on was that he was he was checking out pretty much. You know, Uh, he was controlling the pace on the restarts. He was getting ahead, and uh, nobody could catch him. So um, he really dominated this race. It reminded me a lot of when um, Vicente Salas uh, won this race a couple years ago and just won every and led every single lap the entire race. it seems like Richmond is like that for some reason. One person will will get a, either it's either the clean air or just one person seems to hit on their setup and they just are not beatable. And uh, this this time was uh, Bobby Lisselinski, and uh, he 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 did just that. He just checked out.
0: It was interesting to see the relief on his face after the checker, uh, and 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 it's the relief of a season of of you know heartburn and worry and. God, am I going to make it? Am I going to get to the final four again? I mean, Bobby's been knocking on the door, knocking on the door, man. Maybe this is the year.
1: Yeah. Michael Conti finished second and he was, he had a really good car too, but just wasn't anywhere. He wasn't in the class. Um, when, when it, push came to show up he just didn't have it um, one thing we do want to mention about this race was you know this is the second time this year that uh, Tyler Hudson who, who's the administrator um, said all right guys you've you've had enough of these restart crashes restart crashes we're going to single file again so the the, uh, the hammer came down from the admins who's, who were like you know we we can't keep doing this lap after lap restart after restart um, and said, Hey, you know, we're going to go single file. It, it did help a lot, but um, yeah, it was just, it was just insane how, how often these guys were, were wrecking when uh, they were doing the side-by-side restarts.
0: Well, and it wasn't up front really. It was back in the pack, so to speak.
2: It wouldn't have been yeah. a bad idea at CODA in real life either.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they were reckoned for 34th place. Um, <laughs> um, I think it was Malik Ray and, and someone else um, were, were battling, were, we're wrecking each other to try to get ahead of each other in, for 33rd, 34th place. That's ridiculous. Um, it, it, to me, it just didn't make any sense. Um, some of the some of the aggressive driving, and all throughout the in the race, they were doing interviews with these drivers, and they're like, "Yeah, everybody's driving like a everybody's driving like crazy," and you know that implies everybody but me, you know, because obviously they don't think they're driving like crazy; it's everybody else. Well, it, you know, if everybody can't think that and uh, and be wrong uh, right about themselves, but wrong about everybody else, so it, it's it's one of those things where the racing got so aggressive that if you, if you weren't aggressive back, you were just going to get, you were just going to get wasted. And so, you know, it it probably doesn't take the whole field to be that aggressive for this situation to happen. Just enough people to where you can't not be aggressive back. And then it just turns into a show.
0: That's, you know, it's funny how the real racing in a given week, and the coke racing kind of follow a theme and it's like david said at coda i mean it was just nonsense at the end of the coda race you know and and this even though this was a different track it, the, the racing is the same it, just like brian said it, you can't not be an asshole out there because if, if you're nice you're going to get run over
2: all right. Speaking of Coda, we were there last week, right? Um, got to switch over to Richmond Wednesday, but uh, there's a post here that's not surprising because we were talking about it a lot too, and it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I, the track limits at Coda in no way reflect the real series, and I wonder if iRacing should make the changes. And uh, me personally, the answer is yes. Which
0: which all of the turns? uh, Turn one specifically. I mean, I think turn one really gets my goat a little bit when you see these NASCAR restarts and they're eight and ten wide. And and you know what the limit is for the NASCAR race? It's the gravel. It's the it's the rock.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they were they were forcing cut coursing in the
1: S's. Right but that what did you have to be completely out of the uh, rumbles right to get a penalty for that in in the nascar race so i mean that's even more strict than what the uh, incident uh, incident limits are the track limits are in the s's for the cup car i mean you don't have to be that far off the track to get a, a an x
2: it's pretty extreme now they 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 say i racing will say that the problem is that they can only set one track limit setting for layout And so my answer to that is, well, then make a cup layout for stuff like this.
0: NASCAR layout, right.
2: Right, where it literally just changes the track limits.
0: Yeah, it would almost
1: almost be like when you go to a track and you select the different um, courses, you know, uh, short course, long course, those type of things. You can set the cup, the Grand Prix circuit is the track limit set for F1 and all, and then have a, a NASCAR or a cup stock car version of the same track just different track limits
0: um and if you listen to door bumper clear i mean they were talking about man we really need a different start finish line like we need a different turn one you know this to start the race and to go into this particular corner you know is extreme and i don't know what do you guys think about that is that you know if nascar move the the line somewhere you know we would definitely need another version
2: well you don't have to have the same start and and finish line at spa they start in one place and then finish in another place right and at spa you go on past turn one and run so why not have the finish line where it is but have the restart zone moved just past turn one
1: well, I don't oh, know if I you'd can. be able to. Could you? I don't know if you'd be able to start where the S's are. Would that work? Maybe, or you could you could put it anywhere, really. Right, right. That's what I was thinking. Maybe on the long stretch on the backside, but still, it's a still it's a tight turn coming off that long stretch on the backside of the track. Yeah, I think it'd be better to start it in the tight turns. Yeah. Either way, I mean, it's it just my opinion. This is not a track that's friendly to stock cars at all. Um, you know, it's and and you know, with uh with with Formula One, when they go there, you know, the uh the the, the uh race administrators they can penalize for people for doing that. You know, that's not going to happen in NASCAR. Somebody's going to get a penalty like that for uh being off track or anything like that, you know. So, so the cup guys will just use up every little bit of track that's useful to them, and uh, you know, you know. Coming out of turn twenty, that last turn before the start finish line, they're twenty. You know, they're twenty feet outside of the uh, track limits, and uh, it's it's just to to me, it just doesn't reflect reality. And that's what iRacing is all about is reflecting the way that these real cars and real drivers drive on tracks. And uh, it's a completely different track when you're staying within the uh, within the uh, parameters of the track uh, as opposed to the way it is in the cup cars.
0: So. And, and and you're spot on, Brian, about this, because let's, McKenzie, let's take your perspective on this track. I mean, you've seen that NASCAR race there and how they race, but you get it on iRacing and you're coming in here fairly new to it. I mean, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I, did, I didn't have fun at this track at all. I, my hardest part was keeping it inside the track. And, like, if they had the, the track limits like they did for – the real race there. And you could take that big wide turn. I I'd, I'd have a lot more fun with it. Cause I could keep up pace. I was trying to go slow just to stay on the track. And it, it just wasn't even fun. I did well, half of one race, I was way over the limit. So I just didn't even finish the race. Cause I was going to get disqualified anyways. And that's all I did. I didn't have fun with it at all.
0: It's tough. I mean, I think my first year at Coda was much like you, what you just described where all you do is just try to stay under the incident limit and it's not fun. So I really think I racing needs to adjust them. Now, look, they don't need to open them up wide, you know, real wide, but look, meet us halfway. Like, okay, let's move them out halfway. Uh, this a little
3: bit. Okay. Yeah. I think all my incident points, I maybe spun once, but the rest were all off track.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. Because you you don't want a situation like they had. It was it a spa where um, the guys were running on the grass and cooling their tires down? You don't want the grass and off the tracks to be a advantage, you know. So um, it's gotta it's gotta be confined to the the pavement at least.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want it to be crazy, but um, you know, I think the turn one, especially, I mean, open that up a little bit. I mean, maybe not clear to the gravel, but um, yeah, I mean, there's some spots where they can, you know, fudge it a little. Now there's a forum post on this, you know, that's why we brought it up where several people are basically saying the same thing we just said, but there's lots of people, you know, saying, Hey, this is a good idea.
3: I think it would just, I think it would just make a, uh, make it more enjoyable for like guys who mainly only do oval and don't go in the roadside more like limits were wider and I could have a little more speed then i'd have a lot more fun at that track yeah i mean i i like running the
1: road these cars at um watkins Glen. you know it's it's a good track for for cup cars um you know and you don't you don't go off track every single turn like you can in coda real easily um so for me it's just it's just not a great track for these cars and and the way they um the way these they the, the way they narrow the track with the track limits makes it even worse.
2: All right, up next we have another uh, awesome announcement from that company that shall not be named, since we're not allowed to say indie in iRacing. I'm not. I don't think we should say this company's name on our <laughs> podcast. But that the company that shall not be named has responded to a request for comment. Or no, here we go. In response to member request for comment, Racer received the following statement from IndyCar, that Motorsports Games, as reported, that they continue to make strides in their development efforts, but they do not believe they will be in a satisfactory position to release an IndyCar game this year. And then they follow up with, we are evaluating this information and rever- remain thoroughly committed to bringing the best quality video game products to, indie- to the IndyCar community. Well, if that was true, you wouldn't have signed with that company.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this uh, has got to be a real kick in the pants to Indy, the series, um, who and whoever makes these deals with, uh, with this uh, company.
0: Now, this is a public company traded on the stock market kind of thing. And so there's all uh, the lots of public information and we we got the links to it uh, racedepartment.com has got a great article on this i'm going to read a couple uh, paragraphs to give you a better insight into the financials of this motorsports games skip over the bad news of more than four million dollar net loss in q4 of 2022 alone and you'll arrive at an announcement that a total 2022 revenue of 10.3 million led to net losses in excess of 36 million. So let's say that again. They they made 10 million dollars but they they took that and they ended up losing 36 million overall. Given yeah. And, the studio... <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Sorry and with without a, a new a new game looks like without a game coming out this year I mean, they're not, their revenue is not going to go up any higher. I mean, if anything, it's just going to keep falling off and, until at least they have a title to promote.
0: Right, and they go on to say that, quote, given the studio doesn't have a successful and current title to rely on, motorsports games is in a difficult situation. Negative cash flow means they are spending more money than they can make. To top off the bad news for IndyCar, BTCC, Le Mans Virtual, and NASCAR fans, the financial document states that the company currently holds a, around $6 million in cash. The company goes on to mention that we do not believe we have sufficient cash on hand to fund our operations for the remainder of 2023, and that further investment is needed. So,
1: they're going to be looking for investors for sure at this point um, because they can't sustain this model until next year if, if that's how long it takes to put out a product.
0: Well, I think we've read this before. I feel deja vu. I feel like we've heard from their CFO before that they only had X amount of money and they would die by the end of the year. We've heard this. I think it was last fall. So the company, you got to remember there's motorsports games, but then there's motorsport, which is a bigger umbrella company that has other stuff. And so they've been you know this has been a loss leader for them, you know, apparently, even if they do end
3: up making it to be able to release the game, though, if they're losing thirty six million dollars, I don't think that IndyCar game's gonna make them that much.
0: How many are gonna buy that thing? And, yes. and all the pissed off people like me certainly aren't, just to just you know just stick it to them.
2: I really I really just I want to get inside IndyCar's head and know if they. Realize
1: how fucked they are. Well that, well, that brings up a good point, David. Um, is it possible that the contractually, um, IndyCar can uh, pull out of this deal based on them not having a product this year? Um, you know, obviously, you, you would have to be familiar with whatever contract they they made with this, but yeah, you know, that could be a possibility.
0: No, maybe they're waiting for the 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 thing to go bankrupt first. You know, officially, so that, you know, it doesn't cost them in money. Well, I don't know.
2: For them, it will just depend on the specifics of the contract, like Brian said. What a
0: mess. You know, what a mess.
2: It's a really backwards situation, don't you think? What do you think, Mac? Is it backwards or is it Laguna Seca that's backwards?
3: Yeah, it looks here like uh, Mupar Gaming. He brought in an episode two to his uh, challenge. And uh, he's challenging guys to run backwards at Laguna Seca now.
0: I haven't seen anybody take him up on it, so I thought I would mention it on the show. Um, it's the new radical, and there's rules. I mean, so there's one reconnaissance lap, so to speak. And then your second lap is the timed lap. Okay. There's no practice, blah, blah, blah. The, the moment you try it the first time, the second lap is the one that counts.
2: How do you enforce that rule?
0: Well, you 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 put it on video like Dave Cam did, and you go and you look at the replay, and you see how you you do the math on the time stamps, and boom, there's your time.
2: Yeah, but you can practice and then start a new session.
0: Well, duh, but I mean, obviously, you want to do it in the spirit of the uh, competition.
2: I wonder, I wonder if the Williams Esports guys will do it in the spirit. Of the competition. <laughs> good one, David. That's a
1: good one.
0: Um, now I was going to say watching Mupar uh, do the corkscrew backwards was interesting. I kind of held my breath.
1: Yeah. That's the one thing I was curious about. So is this is a, uh, this is a carrier from last week, right? When they were try- challenging people do the, the Norbert ring backwards.
0: Yeah. Right. We did Nords last week and now it's uh, Laguna. So I like this idea. Great idea. Mupar gaming you, every, listeners. You got to jump on board here, you know, just put out a video, get the link out there, and uh, show us your your lap times.
2: It's a neat idea, and since it's a track that I can actually drive going the correct direction, I would be more likely to try this one. But I'm, I have not been on Laguna Seca in a long time. Believe it or not, the big sports cars don't ever
1: go there. Um, so, is is reverse an option in your uh, settings for this? I mean, how do you does iRacing keep keep track of your time? if you do a reverse lap or is it, you know, or is it like DQ you?
0: No, I mean, they were, you go into like test session and then you now, now Mupar will even you freeze frame the, and he'll show you all the settings for the weather and everything. So you can match up to his, but you just do a test session. And then, like I said, then you go into replay and you look at the timestamp of where you cross a line, cross the line, and then you fast forward and you look at where you cross the line and you do the math.
2: And test session is the only way you won't get completely kicked out of the server.
0: Right.
1: Okay, I got gotcha. you. That makes sense.
0: But watch his video if you want to do it first and because you'll want to match his settings and all that.
2: All right, this next one I'll to pick up. iRacing tweeted a first look at the Legere, uh JSP320LMP3, which is planned to debut on iRacing in June. And what we have is just a render without any texture, so just kind of you know monochrome look, and it looks pretty similar to what I saw at Daytona. The LMP, interesting, yeah, to the um, the LMP threes that I noticed that I was talking in the chat about was how, how different their motors sound than the LMP2s. The LMP2s kind of had a turbo windy sound. They sounded you know, like sports cars or even formula cars almost, whereas these sounded like old-school muscle cars. They had this super deep low rumble in them. And there, there's less horsepower, but it, uh, according to Bobby, has more to do with how the exhaust pipes are lined up as well.
0: All right. So first of all, when some – when this was announced, David, they keep saying, "Oh, dentist car," or "I want to be a dentist." What is the thing about a dentist?
2: Okay, in IMSA, with it being team driving, and a lot of your, especially in the sports car ranks, and/or the LMP, even the LPT ranks, you have your pro driver, and then you have your gentleman driver, and the gentleman driver is the guy who who basically pays for the ride and gets to drive some of it. Okay, so um, the actor that was on Grace Anatomy, Patrick, what's his name?
0: Patrick Dempsey.
2: Dempsey. He did this for a while. He basically was paying for the ride and he was he was the bronze driver. All right. He was you know, a dentist, okay. Yeah. He was essentially the dentist. The gentleman driver is the person who brings the money and the pro drivers will team up with with whichever uh, gentleman driver they can make make a partnership with to run the team race. Um, and that's, that's essentially what it is.
0: All right. So an LMP three and the obvious question that came up in the forums and the iRacers lounge discord was what car gets axed out of the multi-class races to make room. Uh, I think that's the bigger question. Like which one are they getting rid of the GT threes or, or are they going to increase the number of cars allowed? Or what do you guys think?
2: Well, LMP3 is going away from the top IMSA series. So it's only going to be run now in the feeder series. So it's actually going to probably be added to one of the other classes that may not be full. But there's, I don't see them putting it in IMSA when it's going away from IMSA. There will be no LMP3s at the Daytona 24 next year.
0: So. Oh. That's what Cody Richardson said in Discord. It goes into a GT4 uh, P3 multi-class and doesn't go to full IMSA. And then Bobby Jonas said, "Yes, that's correct. As of 2024, the P3 won't be in the WeatherTech series. The P3 GT4 GSX will be in its own series."
1: All right. Brian. What do you guys oh, go ahead? Shoot it. Uh, one last thing, um what are you guys' feelings about having these reveals like uh so early, so soon before the actual uh, week thirteen release dates i I don't like I don't like getting all this information necessarily. This I like to be surprised and I like you know everything to come at one time
2: i i I'm kind of neutral, I guess it doesn't bother me. It doesn't excite me.
0: yeah, it's not like I'm gonna go buy this one probably so. Uh, I don't know. I mean, um, the marketing guy has to have something to do. Let's, let's just put it that way. <laughs> Good point. You can't just save it all for one week.
2: Yeah, but when they do have the surprises, that those are nice. Was it the next-gen car that was the last big surprise? Um, Probably, yeah. Because they kind of snuck that one out, didn't they? No.
1: Yeah,
0: you got yeah rain looming on the horizon you got rain you know coming very soon i think based on you know how long it's been happening
2: <laughs> hashtag soon well yeah right before you jumped back in i was gonna say brian why don't you tell us about the highlights of the week
1: yeah i'll take this um so uh, i recently announced their highlights of the week uh, there's eight videos on this week um some really cool stuff uh they had a uh, Two two guys racing in Formula cars. This actually was my favorite, even though it was number eight. I don't know if they do these in order of uh, best to worst or not, but um, two guys doing the roast course um, at um, Long Beach, which is really interesting to watch because such a tight course. These guys, you got to really have a lot of skill to to maximize your speed. And two of them, two of these cars uh, working together. I was watching it, waiting for that last hairpin turn to see if uh, see if uh, the guy who was in second. Takes the win and, and he did. It was a really good video there. Um, some stock car races. One was at a at a Michigan. A really tight finish. There was one at um, I Racing Super Speedway where a guy goes from fifteenth to first in uh, one lap. He kind of one of those all the, made all the right moves. You know, avoiding wrecks, making the following the right lines, all in the same lap to go from fifteenth to first. Really cool. I mean, uh, the uh, Hyundai um, Velosters, I think. Is it the Veloster? The, the Hyundai's made an appearance, and it's the first time I remember seeing them in any kind of uh, uh, any kind of uh, highlight video, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um,
0: yeah I really re- like the uh, Speedway one, the iRacing Super Speedway. That was a classic run of the Checker.
1: Yeah. It was, it was crazy. The guy just made all the right moves, just barely avoiding a couple of wrecks, following the right lines that were moving and and then uh, taking the win at the end. really cool. Um, at the end, there was a, a a three three wide finish in the Skippies that was really cool. Um, they had uh, oh, the modifieds uh, the asphalt modifieds made an appearance at Iowa in a in a virtual dead heat r- a race. a really cl- excellent finish really
0: close. The thing about these kind of videos, it, it reminds me and other drivers, man, there's so much out there in iRacing to race. Okay, these modifieds, you know, at these short tracks, man, this is fun. I it looks fun. I need to get out there and do it. It was a really good battle at Sebring
1: and the LMPs. Uh, it was really interesting because, uh, there was, uh, you were actually following along in the third place car as two cars are in front of him And he's kind of like, uh, catching them. Uh, the guy made some really interesting, uh, um, lines going into the curve. He would go way off track, uh, before the turn to, to, um, kind of widen the, uh, apex for it. And he was making up some space like that, kind of going off track to do it. Um, I thought that was really interesting to watch his lines go through a uh, Sebring.
2: Well, if you happen to live up between Sacramento and San Jose and a place called Concord, California, they have a, uh, something called drive simulations. That's a company that is the latest in sim racing experiences. And it looks like another one of your, uh, uh, go into the house basically. And, and, sim race on somebody else's rig kind of situation they they say you can choose from over 20 different simulators if you're a member of the Apex club and then list basically every simulator that exists except for that that one for IndyCar oh that's right because it's not out um but um, yeah otherwise they normally run ACC
0: now it's twenty dollars per half hour for motion or fifteen dollars per half hour for static add VR to any simulator for $5 more.
1: But they're using uh, D box motion. That's really expensive stuff. Um, so they're using some pretty high end stuff there. Now it does say that yeah. they you can use other, um, other racing simulators on there. Um, I racing is, is available. It's just not part of their default experience. Um, you have to be part of what they call their apex club, which I mad, imagine is a, um, is a, extra club that you got to pay for to get, uh, to get access to the other simulator. So iRacing is in there as long as, as long as, as well as like a truck simulator, which is uh, interesting. Obviously you're not going to race that, but it's uh it's cool to try that out on a sim.
0: Yeah. Some of the brands they have uh, are semicube DBox, D ACE Attack, cube controls, and of course, Nvidia. So this is pretty neat. We were talking last week about, uh what happened to the guy in nashville uh that was starting up a place in nashville to do this and um i had mentioned that he's just selling rigs right now and we're going to talk we're going to see that later in the show but uh this is a place that's open and and you can go here and go racing.
2: and this is really the trend now because the very next topic mike is the same kind of sort of thing up in chicago
0: yeah, we we went over this a few months ago. I Because we're on this topic, I thought we would re-talk about Sim Racing Chicago. Um, they have a really nice facility, like a large warehouse kind of room with high ceilings and a huge logo uh, across the one wall, Sim Racing Chicago. But several different rigs lined up along the walls, you know, couch area lounge area you know to hang out TVs up above to watch timing and scoring and whatnot little bar area
2: i don't expect to ever see anything like this and i don't think it'll happen in memphis i don't don't think it's quite big enough this seems to be really going for the bigger bigger cities yeah
0: yeah right now they have a thing for march 25th a contest at the sim racing chicago um and um, it says here, 10 full motion rigs, 60 drivers, one car, iRacing, two main events, awesome prizes. WRL weekend seat, Autobahn, private track coaching, three-hour party for 10 at the Sim Racing Chicago. So I guess those are the prizes. Uh, oh, it's 299 to get a spot. It says $299. Sign up here.
1: These guys need to... Um do as much as they can when NASCAR comes to Chicago to uh, get the word out about their, uh, about their company. You know, it's a, that would be a great tie in and to do whatever they can within uh, that's legal, I guess, uh, to, uh, to get their name out at one of those races at the, or at the race in Chicago.
0: Probably get a driver appearance or something. That's what they need to do. Have Kurt Busch come by or somebody, you know, then Fox cameras. All
2: right. Mackenzie, what is this favor this guy's asking about next up? We must have lost Mac at some point. Um, I'll pick it up. It looks like Tobias Contrott posted in the forums that a driver was asking him to block or wreck the leader when there were two laps to go before Bor- Bortolodi could take the win. And this is apparently in top split for LMDH.
0: Or 12-hour Sebring. And so, yeah, uh, Yeah. this was in the forum site, and there's a picture of the private chat that you see in Sim, basically uh, asking it to be done.
1: Yeah, uh, the guy's asking this, um, Tobias, who posted this, he's like, uh, you know, please be, can you be a hero? And he's like, um, what? Oh, be a hero. He's like, yeah, you, can you, can you be a hero and and, uh, knock this guy out of the race? It's crazy.
0: Uh, yeah. And so later in the forum post, you know, others say, you know, Hey, this is a protest. I think you've even tagged him cross in the post, <laughs> but I thought we should talk about, uh, 12 hours of Sebring a little bit. This is one, uh, interesting post I found about it.
2: Now, this is a little confusing because he's talking about it being a seven K driver in this split, not understanding, um, I guess either the guy didn't understand he was in the top split, or there was a a drastically different strength of fields. Um, And this happens a lot, especially in the the hourly or or bi-hourly races, where your LMP twos will be or, or your or your GTPs will be way way weaker than than the top split. And I like Dean Tim's reply of. Of taking the strengths to field, especially on these major events, and putting—if you have a weak LMP class—they don't. Maybe they don't get to be tenth split. Maybe they should be twentieth split, and you just skip a few splits. And um, the—that's a neat idea on one hand because you're keeping I, similar I ratings in, in the server together, but there there is a also a kind of a downer in that. Some of the better drivers, they want to get to race in all three with all three categories on the track. So, do you rob them of that opportunity that they've earned with having the higher I ratings?
0: Tell me how many forum posts I've read that say just what you said. There's a lot of people lobbying for changes to uh, how these splits are mixed.
2: Yeah, you, you, I can almost guarantee you that that if they did it the way this guy and i've suggested before that the top split would not have gtp it would end up being only the other two cars because that because that g the, the top gtp strength of field is going to be so much weaker than the top gte strength of field or gt3 so it does it if you're a, if you're a top split gt gt3 racer do you want to end up not actually getting the real multi-class experience or not? It's a, it's a conundrum and kind of a trade off and I'm split on which way on whether I think it should be done or not.
0: I leave it how it is. So iRacing put up stats, 3,200 teams, 9,000 drivers, 750,000 laps uh, during this event. There were also reports in the forums of drivers having difficulty getting into their sessions and You know, staffer Nicholas Bailey posted that they will be looking into the problem. Um, At at first, it it appeared like, you know, maybe people didn't understand how to do it in the new UI. Um, But there were enough people that had problems that he thinks it's a bigger problem. So they're looking into it. I saw one team on Facebook basically say, you know, hey, we're not going to run the event because we couldn't get registered. I think what was happening is they were registering for a practice, not the race, or something like that.
1: They were probably using the UI and couldn't figure it out.
0: Well, that's what it boils down to. Oh, here, here's a screenshot of it. This race session requires a minimum of two drivers. If you continue with this registration, your team will be disqualified at the end of the session. Do you want to continue? And so, I think people were getting that message because they were like registering as themselves and not a team perhaps
3: yeah i'm looking down farther and one of the staffers uh commented back saying it sounds like they weren't declared or registered as a crew so they were probably registering by themselves not as a team
0: well okay so the way the new ui is i think you have to go on the left side and go to teams to get into these races now i you can probably just go up to the series list search sebring and go into it as an individual too and that's probably what these people were doing they didn't realize you have to click on teams to be able to enter the race as a team i would i would think yeah it's it's a bad you know this didn't happen with the regular website i'll just say that
2: all right so we've basically covered past events and now we got an upcoming one coming up and i guess this is counting as a a special event. Is this a replacement? This interesting. We've got the road America 500. It's a throwback event paying homage to the analog days of iRacing. It's date back to the fifties and it's had different names and formats in the 73 years under SCCA, LEMS and IMSA. The iRacing event will be a 500 mile affair that is able to be run solo or as a team. And it's going to be in the GTP, ZXT, and the Audi 90 GTO. So this is um, this is in the older Emsa cars prototypes.
0: Old Audi car from the 90s, right, or or maybe older than that. I'm I, sorry. I
2: think I, it's actually older than that.
0: Right. I I don't think I got that right, but yeah, the, this is like a vintage race. I guess is a good way to say it.
2: And this wasn't. I don't remember seeing this on the original schedule, so I'm wondering if this is one of those. Uh, I guess a replacement for Indy.
0: It looks like fun. I, I mean, I love Road America. Um, I don't own these cars though, so I and I, I work on, so I probably won't be participating. But yeah, five hundred miles.
2: Yeah, it's running on the fourteenth through the sixteenth of April. It's just a couple of weeks from now. It's kind of sneaking up. Almost all the other information is the same. It's the same start times. The same. They've standardized all of that with the warm up and the start times, and and the uh, there's no or and the incident limits and all that.
0: I like the field size fifty. Wow, that's cool.
2: That's pretty standard for sports car. That's what you've got at the Daytona, I think fifty to sixty. But um, in this case, there's only one class, and I think that's all we have for events. So we're ready for that next thing.
0: housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it join the discussion we this is an all-week thing guys in the discord jump in and our website iracerslounge.com we're also in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network
2: all right. This year, this week's fantasy featured an internal team, Tifosi team winner, right, Brian?
1: Yeah. So uh, taking the lead or the win for the week at Circuit of America was none other than Tifosi's Tony the Tiger, Tony Rochette. Congratulations, Tony. He put up a, a pretty good number, two twelve, which is a, a solid ten point win over second place JTC Eleven C and Res Dog, uh, finished with the same point uh, in third place. Uh, so Tony Rochette, he's actually recovering from, uh, knee surgery. So wish him the very best Tony get, get well soon and, and, uh, cool, cool down on these good finishes. I don't like that. That's not good.
0: Yeah. Knee surgery, but they got him in and out of there in like three hours or something. So, uh, and, and he even thinks he might even race tomorrow night. I'm like, "Eh, maybe you better take a week off. Yeah, uh,
1: so eleventh uh, place was uh, David Hall uh, coming in with mixed mage. Uh, another good week for David. Um, it was a tough week for me. Um, a lot of those ringers that you normally uh, think would do well uh, did not. Uh, everybody's favorite road racer, uh, um, Almond Digger, he had did not finish the race at all. Um, the the so it it was just it was just not a good race. I finished like sixtieth place, something terrible and uh, and uh, the stage not having the stage breaks really didn't make that big a difference but um, I, I left Kyle Busch in the garage because he was actually the worst worst out of my, uh, my picks uh, and he wound up would have been the top finisher if I left him in so that kind of screwed me but I didn't want to use him up on a track when everybody else was still viable at the time before everything went to heck
0: yeah I didn't do very well either
1: I
2: don't think anybody didn't have AJ Elmending in there. I he, I think he was my lowest of the, of the ones I finished. I did go ahead and run Jordan Taylor, but he ended up uh, just showing the the fact that he's not used to the to the uh no respect culture basically.
1: Yeah. yeah, good point.
0: Yeah, I think that was the big thing story coming out of that week was, you know, Jensen Button and and him and and uh Kimmy Raikkonen you know, basically saying, wow, it is bumper cars. I mean, this is something else. But, mean, is that what we want to portray as a, you know, racing community, that kind of product?
2: I personally don't like it. And, I mean, you can already see no. what they do in the Coke series. If they race like that, they make them start single file, right? They they actually come down on them. So um, maybe – I. I I don't think they can just start going and picking up each individual because they don't necessarily want that, but they can, I I can see them saying if they screw up the first green, white checkered, make them start single file. I would, I would, I would be fine to see that. Um, I did love though, the no, the no stage cautions. Um, Wasn't it nice to have that long green flag run and see three stop versus two stop and and all all that old school strategy at, unfold instead of having to have the basically what we had the trash at the end of the race
0: that was a uh, kudos on that that for sure
1: so uh overall standings uh, we'll go over to top three mason Racing is uh first place silver mustang 91 is in second trick tickle is in third Uh, the the top leader for Toposi drivers right now is, uh, Steven Lou Allen in P12. So, uh, we got some work to do boys to, to get up there with the rest of them.
2: It's a good thing we're not eligible for those prizes. Yeah, that
1: would, uh, that would be a shame. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit emetroford.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years.
2: Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, it's time for some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford. This next one is literally Mike's anthem. Take it.
0: I was so happy to see this video. I mean, uh I I mean this guy's channel kind of came out of nowhere, and I kind of watch it now. And we've been talking about it a lot, but it's a sim racing den. And he posted up a YouTube video of why he left Fanatec for Simicube. And he made the same move I did from the Fanatec DD1 to the Simi-Tube, uh Pro. And he kind of details out why the change, what the difference is, and that kind of thing. And I was very, very much in agreement with him on, on exactly what he said. I mean, I think the, the big thing was the quick release. Uh, he indicated that he had some minimal play on the fan attack and i had more than minimal play on mine uh there's no play on the semi cube there's nothing it's just like it's granite solid there's not even a millimeter movement the design is solid and so that was the biggest thing um he also talked about the detail um it it just feels like there's more fidelity to it i guess but is it is it a lot? No, but it, there, there's a difference. There's a little bit of difference um, and that kind of thing. So anyway, I was pretty pleased. And uh, if you're interested in and uh, hearing the differences, check out this video.
2: Yeah, if a whole system goes out, I, I don't know if I would be opposed
1: to switch, swapping over or not. Yeah, you had more problems than just um, just uh, play. Right. Didn't you weren't you having problems with it cutting off? Mike did. Yeah. What
2: yeah, you know, I'm
0: sorry, I was he loses his his force mic. feedback yeah. a lot. Yeah, I had a a big problem with that. That was the reason why I eventually changed was the loss of that force feedback. Um, and and so I think the question, David, would be this next video really, if you were in that scenario, would you pick Simicube or Ace Attack? And that's what our second video is about.
2: Yeah, this and, guy. And it's interesting um i did not get to watch this video i know that they're, they're basically Ace Tech is using semi-cube technology and maybe just improving on it or or enhancing it so that that's an interesting but that's an interesting choice what, what did he say brian mac mac did you guys get to watch it
1: i, I watched it um and um yeah, so he actually uh, came up with the conclusion that he actually preferred the Asatech uh, slightly over the Simicube. Now, it wasn't that it um, so much that he thinks it's a better base, as that he thinks that the software is more uh, is more up to date than the Simicube. So he feels like once the Simicube um, gets the software updates um, and everything uh, a little bit more advanced than that then it'll probably be a wash or semi cube might be a little bit better at that point but uh, but uh, that was that was where he felt like uh, the only difference was in the two it was just the tech i guess because it's a newer system and uh you know they're using a lot of semi cube um um hardware that that was the big difference as the software was a little bit better
0: it's not the first video we've heard this where people prefer the ace Attack over the semi and didn't he mention Brian's did some he had some kind of quirk with the quick release on the Tech, but he had a prototype unit so maybe that was the problem.
1: Yeah, I do remember that as well. Um I don't he didn't really mention that in his final um final um conclusions that it was a uh, you know had anything to do with uh, his opinion. So um I think I think I think he was believing it was just because of the model that he had.
3: Yeah, so what it was is he was having like a lot of play with it. So he actually put a video, and someone from Mesa Tech got back and told him there shouldn't be that much play. So he says in the video that they were working on getting it fixed, but I don't think he actually had it fixed for the end of the video.
0: Yeah. Now, I do recall uh, a video early on. Lawrence, I I don't remember the last name. um, Yusakoa? Maybe. Uh, he did a video about the ACE Attack and he he pointed out that if you push up on the wheel with any significant amount of force, it'll just pop right off of that quick release. It doesn't hold the, and, and he wasn't sure if he had a, a defective unit, so to speak, or if that was just the way it was designed or what, but haven't seen any other reviewers say that, hey, the wheel can pop off you know, that easily. But to me, that's the only little concern I have on this base so far. I mean, there were a couple other things like the uh, remote switch had bare wires showing, um, and it can be a little funny to do to mount uh, to do a front mount because you have to literally take the whole thing apart. He but, also man, uh, if I was in the market right now, I'd it'd be a tough choice between these two. He also puts in the video. He tests both of the
3: both the bases at a full full force feedback and he can barely he can barely hang on to the wheel on the ace attack and it just you can just see in the video it's completely shaking his arms and everything
0: well he loaded some profile that that's doing feedback and and like you've seen feedback before where you get in the car and the wheel just starts shaking immediately yeah that's what was happening but he had it turned up to 100 percent, and he was getting the feedback and So he was basically trying to drive the car with it feeding back like that. And he was trying to hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, like as hard as he could with his hands, just to kind of see if he could hold it. Um, And it's hard and you could see him straining and stuff. And I've done that before, but I'm not stupid like that where I I would hang on to it.
3: Uh, One other thing he
0: did mention is he said at
3: first he didn't like the Ace Tech at all until he uh, changed the settings and got them better and then he then he started to like it more.
0: Yeah, good point. With the SIMICube, I gotta say, I never have tweaked the settings really. I have picked profiles that others have made and I've never felt the need to adjust. I've just if I need to adjust, I just pick a different profile.
3: Yeah, he said it was, it was just one slider, basically. I forget what it was, but it was turned all the way up, and he said the wheel just felt dead. So he just had to turn that off, and then, then it felt normal.
2: All right, so we're still hitting some reviews. This one's not comparative. It's just a single review. We've got the uh, VRS-DFP done by Dan Suzuki.
0: That's Formula Wheel. And Dan really says it. It reminds me of the uh, Asher wheel. The Asher V3. I remember when I was in the market for a wheel, I was debating between the Cube Control and the Asher. And uh, this one very much looks like a, the Asher because of the the design, uh, the way the buttons look, um, very industrial.
1: Surprised it doesn't have any rotary knobs on it at all, right? It's on buttons, isn't it?
0: Well, and that's what Dan Suzuki says at the end of this is that's the big thing missing here, you know, why you would want to pick a, probably a different wheel because of those the lack of those. And I like those those little rotary things you're talking about are they're sitting sideways in where the groups are kind of, and, and I use them for brake bias and that kind of stuff.
2: It does have two rotaries in the middle that are the graduated twelve-click ones that you typically use for a
1: traction control
2: or or a fuel map setting.
1: Yeah, uh, but I, I like the the wheels where, you know, where you can keep your hands on the on the um, hands on it and still spin the spin the wheel. That's what I was thinking. Um, another thing is, uh, Dan thought that the price might have been a little on the higher end. Uh, this this comes in just under a thousand dollars for a wheel with no LC, LED, LCD screen or anything. It's uh, it's it's uh, just a plain looking wheel, so um, it seems a little high for for an item like that.
0: It does. It does. Yeah. Now, if if you're invested in VRS, you got the pedals, the the you got the wheelbase. You, yeah, I mean, it's a no brainer to get this to make everything match. You know, it, it's got a nice look to it, like I said. Um, but yeah, I mean, the price is a high for what it is. You know, if you compare this to like the Cube Control lineup, you have the F Pro and the Formula Pro and the, the CSX, which I mean, the CSX is probably. I don't know. If if I was buying again, I might consider that. Though it has a display. It's got the three paddles on each side, you know, instead of the the two like, like this one does and
2: Well, if we want to keep our feet moving, the next thing we cover is the uh, Sparco Sim Racing shoes. Um, they are the Hyperdrive Sim Shoe is the first driving shoe that is designed for sim racing. It features technology that's from their top auto racing shoe, the X-Lite Plus. It's got a soft-knitted sock upper, which is extremely comfortable and breathable. It has a race shoe-inspired sole, which gives it excellent traction and feel from the pedals. The rear rear heel is also rounded to allow easier heel-to-toe downshifts, and it's available in sizes 38 to 46. I'm assuming that's some other um,
1: (laughs) measurement system.
2: Yeah, that's a European. um, Holy cow, that would be literally... Um, like the like, like Shaq wears what
1: a an eighteen? Come on, yeah. But um, if I'm not mistaken, forty six is not huge. Um, in uh, in U.S. Uh, sizes, I, I just bought a pair of uh, cycling shoes and I got a size forty seven, which is like a twelve and a half American. So I mean, if this only goes up to a size twelve. I mean, I guess that's okay, but that's cutting it close to a lot of guys.
3: Yeah, they got a size chart here. It says 46 is 12 to 12
0: and a half. $109. And their base is black, but they have accent color, either red, blue, yellow, or green you can pick.
2: So I see the laces. Are these just slide on, though? Because you don't really see – they don't look like they're tied up.
0: Yeah, they, you don't tie them. You know, I like it. I mean – sparco is a great brand a lot of people have sparco seats you know to have sparco shoes that go sit race in pretty yeah, cool if they're,
2: if they're easy to pop on and off this is something i might go for because that's that's what my lifting shoes are is just
1: basically slip on tennis shoes now yeah, i was i was going to ask you about this david because um i know a lot of us don't wear shoes at all I, I wear socks but you know i'm not working with those you know those high uh high tension pedals like you have those hydraulics is that is that something you would be interested in something like this day
2: uh, maybe it, the the only downer is don't need it i like i like the thought of it but the shoe that i have is the same thing all right so
0: I like it, but I'm used to racing in socks. I don't think I would actually need it or use it. You Um, you you get
2: get heavy-duty hydraulics that are really actually tense. I mean, your feet actually hurt on this one, on these sim coaches, if you try to run without shoes.
0: Blue ones would match my rig, too. I'm I'm (laughs) tempted to buy them.
3: I use shoes that I have for go kart racing, and I mean, I don't really need them with my pedals. I just like the feel of it, so I wouldn't buy these. But if I needed shoes, these are pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's another thing that I was thinking. Go kart shoes are, are usually a little bit less expensive than real racing shoes because I don't think they have to be have the have the, all the fire safety stuff that a, a racing shoe would normally have. So um, I, I'm I'm wondering how this compares price wise to uh, to like a carding shoe. Uh- it's not terrible. It's $110. i am going to buy them. Why not?
2: That's some, um, I mean, a, a regular set of tennis shoes. I mean, I make mine last a long time, but you're not going to get much cheaper than that unless you're really going off brand.
0: I really like the looks. That They look like they just slip on, too. Um, they got a little loop on the back to help you pull it up. It, it I, does seem high on the ankle a little bit.
2: I'm actually curious how they would feel in the gym. Because I actually I take my shoes off when I'm like deadlifting just because it you get a better get better form that way.
0: I'll spend my money. There's something else I want to buy on the script today too. So,
2: well, we might have time to get to it. We'll see, but before that, unless this is that, we've got a podium podium one racing offer that is the P3 sim racing bundle. It's built with the a uh, whole bunch of different equipment. It looks like it's basically a TR eighty track racer core with a Mosa direct drive um, wheel, load cell pedals from Mosa, triple screen mounts with twenty seven inches. It comes with a gaming PC that is RTX VR ready. Um, it comes with a wireless headset, keyboard, and mouse. So this is the whole bundle, a ready to go rig. So seat seat with slider. I overlooked that.
1: Yeah, and they give you some options about what seats you can, you, what seats you want. You get a rally GT or a recliner formula style seat. Um, you can you can opt for a, a Mosa shifter, uh, no shifter at all, or a shifter and an e brake. Um, so yeah, so uh, it's got a couple of different variations you can you can uh, select when you're ordering it. Looks like it runs uh, eight thousand dollars for the whole kit.
0: So I mentioned this guy last week, Chandler Welling. Um he was trying to start up that uh sim racing Nashville uh place in Nashville where they would, you know, like you could go and race with your buddies. I don't know if that's actually taken off, but this is what he does for a living is he does this podium one com, and he sells these cockpits all like ready to go. And so I follow him on Instagram and I see him always delivering, uh, these track racers to high end, you know, houses and businesses and different places. Um, he's very busy guy and he uses some really good stuff. Um, now this is, uh, an afford what I would, what he would call an affordable rig at 8,000. He, he has higher one, higher end ones with better equipment. Um, this one is just a kind of a Moza specific one. Oh, speaking of track racer, McKenzie, how about this one?
3: Yeah. So this is a, a video by, uh, Jay's two cents and he, uh, has a review out on the track racer, uh, cockpit. He, oh, he says that there was missing hardware boxes arriving over multiple days. Um, he's saying that his point is you can't F this up when you send one out for review to a YouTube channel with 4 million people. They didn't send him the right bolts and was missing washers and the printed instructions were clearly wrong. They have a reputation for it for sure. Now they have it. So yeah, that's, that's definitely a big screw up sending it to someone with almost 4 million subscribers. So a lot of people are going to see that. And I wouldn't want to order a product where multiple people have missing hardware and, the boxes are all coming on different days. That's just, that's just not a good.
0: Well, Jay, Jay's two cents is a, a computer builder. You know, we always watch his videos for computer stuff, video card stuff, you know, processor stuff. But uh, yeah, he's a sim racer, uh, much like us. And uh, yeah, he, he was sent this rig to review and, and he was pretty gracious about the problems he encountered. But guess what? I mean, that's, a reputation, you know, the, the last two things you read McKinsey were what I wrote about the situation, but they really do have a reputation for missing parts for, uh, I got everything shipped, but the box, you know, but one box and it's not coming until tomorrow. I mean, we've heard this over and over and over from this company now if you're this company and you're sending out brian you know a rig for review to j2 Cents, who's probably the biggest channel you've ever had your rig reviewed on wouldn't you want to you know have some quality control and and check the shipment carefully before sending it
1: yeah i mean you're exactly right mike um you you would think if you're sending something out to be reviewed especially by uh, somebody who's got that many followers that you know you you're going to send him the the best equipment that you you know the best version of it you have if there if there is such a thing but you de- but if there's not if there's not you want to make sure he's got everything the first time around um, and it's a shame too for for a, a tubular style um, racing rig uh, it's got a lot of adjustability in it. Um, you know, it's a it's a solid-looking rig. You know, I I, I definitely prefer my eighty twenties type of system than than uh, these tube type systems. But um, as far as tube systems go, um, this is just looks and operates just as good as you would hope.
0: Yeah, once he got it together, uh, he had a lot of good things to say about it, and specifically the adjustability, where the seat is on the slider, the pedals are on a slider, the wheel base is on a slider where everything can be moved forwards and backwards. And so he was pointing out how, uh, one person would get in who's shorter. Another person would get in who's longer. Uh, they're sharing it at the studio they're in and it's very adjustable. Um, uh, you know, for any of those scenarios, I still wouldn't be, uh, buy, a. This type of cockpit though. I would I would see with the 8020 kind of thing. Um the other thing is he mentioned his old cockpit he has is uh Obutto Revolution, which is the same one I used to have. Uh and so kind of deja vu hearing about the Obutto a little bit.
1: Yeah, but and you said it before, uh Mike, uh Chase to a sense is more of a, a computer guy than a sim racing guy. So um he probably doesn't have a whole lot of experience with uh, what's out there. Um, but um, as far as, as far as rigs, this is way better than probably what he had, right. Than the obuto
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent better. This is like the obuto on steroids, but it's the same kind of concept. I mean, the obuto was a pipe, uh, you know, pipes and that kind of thing.
2: All right. Next up, we've got what I think is an affordable, uh, formula wheel with a screen um the the biggest note on it is that it is usb plug in you you can't it it won't work wireless but it's got a lot of your standard features including being able to have the three sets of paddles on the back um and it's only 500 euros which i guess that's going to round up to about 700 dollars, but still not a bad price for a formula wheel
0: is it 300 millimeter or I haven't seen. Oh, it's 275. So, yeah, when I first looked at it, I'm like, that doesn't look like a 300. Yeah, it is 275, so keep that in mind. I think the traditional wheels are around 300, so this looks a little bit smaller than normal. Uh, yeah, the price is right, huh?
1: Yeah, um, it's, uh 519 euros at comes to uh five hundred and seventy dollars i think it is real close to 570 i mean you can't touch that for a formula wheel with uh with a lc led screen you know that's unheard of
0: yeah sim hub compatibility for the screen and it compatible with all the major wheel bases.
2: i got my guess conversion a little bit wrong because i was thinking pounds instead of euros but yeah, I, I like the look of it. If I wasn't buying the formula, this would be a possible. If I didn't have the the one I have, this one has a lot of the same stuff,
0: and it's very yeah, customizable. It. Yeah, with the quick release already attached, like either Fan Attack or SimMagic Magic or Moza, uh, and then if you add the shifter and clutch, it's a little bit more six hundred euros.
2: Well, there's there's two options when you, if you look on the back. There's one that just has two pairs of paddles which can be the clutch. And then there's one that has another set on the top as well. So I don't know why they're calling it. Sh- um, I, I don't know if that's what's the extra price or not. Cause I don't see one that has only the center paddles.
0: Notice these have those thumb rotaries. We mentioned that the VRS wheel was missing. Notice how the price is half what the VRS wheel is. And it has a display, I, I, you know, it's like wow i mean when you compare the two
1: and led lights on it too um oh yeah
0: so it looks fairly nice i mean i mean when you, i i compared this to the moza remember the moza formula wheel i want to say it was 600 bucks it was kind of i think somebody said it felt plasticky it was the one that had the black and with the orange accents or was that the ace attack i'm thinking of oh that was the ace attack
2: well, that might be where they save some of the money is with, the, with the, what the materials were made of.
0: Can you see where the cable attaches? I mean, what does it look like? I missed that.
2: Uh, it looks like if you're looking at one of the rear views, I see a port on the bottom left.
0: Just screw on.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike, was this next one the one you were talking about you want to buy? Is this this haptic gaming pad seat?
0: No, I wasn't going to buy this. But um, one of our listeners did. um, I forget his name. Uh, he mentioned it in the Discord. Uh, this is the Next Level Racing HF8, Haptic Gaming Pad. And uh, we had a couple of video reviews um, about it. Uh, one guy said it was good, but not great. He said, you really have to dial it in. Uh, to, he said, out of the box with the built-in software, not great. But if you don't use the built-in software and you convert over to SimHub and make some custom profiles, which are not easy and you have to take some time, but if you can dial it in with some good profiles on SimHub, then this can be a good product. It's like a, a cheap man's butt kicker because you basically just, it's a seat pad, you put it on your seat and it has, you know eight different transducers in it, you know, that kind of, you know, beat against your body, you know, your hips, your butt, your back, your lower back, your upper back, left and right side. And, um, yeah, that's the whole idea. I did uh, see
1: um, a video from Boosted Media. It's not on the script here, but Boosted Media did a review on this, and he did more of a direct comparison between this and uh, a a Butt Kicker um, LFE uh, transmitter. And uh, his conclusions were that you know, after he got everything dialed in, he actually like he actually thought the feedback on the haptic pad was better feedback as far as uh you know, what the car's doing and, and and things like that than the butt kicker was but his uh his drawback was that the effects weren't as nearly as strong so you know, you can get a lot more you can get a lot more effect out of a butt kicker than you can this pad but this pad does have more specific type of uh feedback that that might be uh, better for your racing as far as uh Knowing what your car is doing, so that's a that's um that's a good feedback and and another thing he mentioned was if you live in an apartment or something, um, you probably don't want an LFE but, but kicker because it shakes the floor and it's going to be annoying to anybody around you. Where this thing, would you do not have that problem? It's very quiet um, and, and doesn't cause cause a lot of uh, ambient ambient problems for uh, any neighbors or anything like that.
2: I don't really have a problem being on the ground floor. If I was above somebody, it might be a different story. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's the same thing happened yeah. to me when I had my rig upstairs and I had to move it after I got my butt kicker to the basement.
0: Now, I think if our buddy Donnie Spiker was here, uh, he he's always been concerned about, I think, the, de- bu- the the butt kicker making too much noise you know, for his wife. And so this would be, like you said, might be a good alternative for that. For the people that are in apartments, or, or they have people around, family around that they can hear them race, and a butt kicker would be just too much. I mean, I love my butt kickers. They, my original one really rattles the. It rattles the whole cockpit, but that's part of the, uh, the immersion for me. It it, it gives it a rumble. With the audio that I'm pumping out at, by the way, 120 to 130 decibels, I measured it today during the race. <laughs> um, with my, I have an iPhone app for that called dB Meter. Yeah, and so, anyways, it was maxing about 120 to 130. Um, but anyway, with with the audio blaring and I can feel that pumping, and and this thing rattling the the bottom of the cage of the cockpit. I mean, it's just all a uh, A package i love it
3: i also watched that video by boosted media and uh he did say if they could make like a pro version of this and use like what the buck kicker does basically like a speaker type thing and put that in each of these pads instead of what they have that it would be a way better product
2: have you seen the size of a
3: butt kicker well he just means like because he like he went showed like an Amazon thing, and you can get like small ones. So he just said if they could use that, it would be uh, like it would it would give higher frequencies and have a more frequency range. That's what he wished it had. Frequency or amplitude?
2: Um, I think I am not sure because the to stay thin enough, you're just not going to have that much power.
0: The other thing one of these rec- videos recommended or said was it's not comfortable. I mean, you have these things kind of poking you and, and it, he said, I work in this cockpit as well. I don't just race in it, but I work here and it's not easy to take the pad on and off. Like, Oh, I need to put it on quickly and run a race and take it off so I can work. Everything's tied down and, and there's cables and stuff. So that was the drawback is it wasn't entirely comfortable to sit on either. Now, this is also a cheap man's uh, GS5 seat, right, Brian? And and our, one of our teammates, Joe Owen, was actually contemplating this week about buying a GS5 seat.
1: Yeah, it's similar in that you're getting feedback from different areas of your body, I guess. But uh, the G-seat is more of a pressure plate that's pushing and, and pulling on you, where this is, I guess, is more of a vibration thing. So... I think that's where it's it's a little different, and uh, you yeah, know the the GC you know can push with some serious force if you crank it up, and it sounds like this thing is uh, still pretty pretty low when it comes to that.
2: All right, next up, Mackenzie, we've got uh, some cheap high-end load cell pedals. That's kind of almost counter or oxymoronic.
3: Yeah. So this video is by Dan Suzuki. They're uh, the load cell pedals by Nauseam Simtech. I believe it's out of Germany, this company. So basically what it is, is this guy went through and it's, he said the performance of these pedals compares to a higher end load cell. It's just, they look completely cheap. Like there's no, they're not super aesthetically pleasing, you uh, you get them shipped to you. You got to put them all together yourself. But he said he was very surprised with the performance of them.
0: There's no software either, so he shows you in the video how to calibrate it in Windows. Um, but yeah,
1: and they also uh, do not
0: come assembled. You
1: have to do some assembly. Uh, Dan Suzuki did say it wasn't wasn't a problem. It was really simple. But I mean. <sighs> If if you're on a budget, and I know a lot of us are, these things give you. I mean, according to Dan, these things give you as good a performance as some pedals that cost three, four times this. You know, if 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 you're not worried about how things, you know, how it looks, because it looks just like a piece of eighty twenty with a piece of metal on top. Um, it's it's not very sophisticated or, or um, sexy looking at all, but. He said he had no drop offs really in his performance when using these, so there was no performance drop or anything. So for for the price, I mean, it's it's about two hundred dollars American. It's it's really good pedals for that price. It's just not gonna um. It's just not gonna uh, be real sexy. That's all.
0: What other pedals cost two hundred dollars? Uh, even to compare them to? I mean, I I can't even think of any.
1: I mean, maybe like the Logitech, something like that. Maybe right. you, bought, you could buy them separate. But
0: right, but those are all these, plastic these are, and these are metal. Yeah, yeah, these
1: are all metal. That's aluminum. So I oh, It's it's really interesting. Um, it almost looks like a homemade project type of uh, system. Somebody homemade it and uh, just is able to mass produce it for to sell. But I'm actually pretty intrigued by this. Just just because of uh, of the frugality but but without sacrificing a lot of uh, performance
0: exactly i mean that's a really good price too
1: all right the next one m-
2: may not have a minimal price but it tries to feature minimalism as its design goal it's the Eau rouge orx 411 and they're taking pre-orders now on this sleek format um it looks nice but Again, going with that minimalist approach, and so it's very limited on the buttons. And I can't see with this Instagram post on the back if it has clutch or not.
0: Yeah, I'm having trouble ordering uh, loading the post as well.
2: And it's just Instagram, so it's just on the one picture.
0: Now, it shows the front of it is basically a giant display. So maybe a touchscreen?
2: no you can see the buttons there's there's buttons in the corners there's probably, All around the edges yeah there's two um yeah those are probably the the rotators in the on on the bottom i don't know what that middle button that middle is probably a button and then you got two thumb buttons up on the on the side so i mean it is i i use more buttons than that on on my rim but We'll see those yellow spots might be rotary as well yeah they are yeah it is oh. a 300 millimeter uh full aluminum housing with rubber grips it says dual clutch though would that mean it has two sets of panels you're right that that's a good point so it, it must have them even though i can't see it in the picture it is
1: a cool design i, I like the look of it, it yeah, as opposed to most uh, Formula wheels, the whole front section of it, the whole center section, is almost like a smart f- smartphone glass type of thing. The whole thing, except for the a couple of buttons on it, and uh, and uh, the buttons are all around the out, outside of that screen, which means that the um, that the LED LCD display is like dead center of it, which is unusual for a formula wheel because you usually have rotary knobs or something like that, and then LCD screen is is on the top section of it. So uh, it's a different design. It, it does look really, really uh, modern. Um, I, 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 th- I think it's a really nice-looking wheel.
2: All right, Mike, I'll throw this one this way or your way since it's uh, related to Semi-Cube products.
0: We got a Gomez. SC2X adapter it is an advanced solution for Simicube users looking to customize their rig with their preferred hub, extension, or quick release. Uh, measuring 25 millimeters thick and a 95 millimeter diameter, and a weight of only 0.3 kilogram, this adapter offers a sleek and compact design that seamlessly integrates into your setup. And so, basically, you put it on the on your Simicube 2 base. And then your wheel mounts directly to it is the way I I see this. Which I don't know if that works for me. I like having the quick release because I'm switching between wheels. But if you only had one wheel, I mean, this would be kind of cool. All right, let's keep moving. We have a couple more quick hits here.
2: Yeah, the next one is uh, something posted by SimGrade about the new VX Pro Pedals. Um, they are now available for pre-order, or pre-order at a at a discounted price. and This is actually an iRacing form boost.
0: Yeah, uh, pre-order for the SimGrade VX, and I am having trouble loading the page. It looks like throttle and brake are €299 Euros with VAT at 0%, and that's down $100 from normal price. If you want the clutch, it's uh to go with then have all 3 it's 435 euros on sale down from 547 no vat
1: yeah it looks like you have until the 31st so tomorrow um friday to uh get your order in for the pre-order uh price so uh if that's something you're interested get it in quick um he thinks that uh, he's got a good product that has a great um product or performance to um price ratio so uh typically i um, mean typically you know that i guess he's saying that for the price you get a really high-end uh, piece of equipment so um that's good to
0: good to good to hear from him
2: now it is coming out of finland so if it comes here with i wonder if we would end up with import duties
0: all right this this is the one i want i want to buy this next one okay The oh, logitech g fit is a true wireless gaming earbuds are perfectly fit to play. Uh, Pro-grade, light-speed wireless and low-latency Bluetooth allow you to play across devices. There's light-form molding technology provides a personal fit. Now, I thought I had a video in this, but I don't see it. Where Anthony Alfredo did a, a short review of these, where uh, he set them up, and these are for. Your, uh, you know, smartphone or PC. Um, so use them, you know, for gaming.
1: Hey, Mike, you did, Mike, ahead. you did have a video of it, but it was the wrong one. It was Anthony Alfredo doing some pre-race, uh, some workouts oh, okay. and stuff.
0: Anyway, <laughs> uh, I got the wrong link. But what he shows is, he, he, it shows to put them in your ear, and then they start playing some music, and it says, "Twist them until you hear the bass at a nice, good level." Um, and then when he, he got them twisted just right, then he pushed another button or something, and then they form to your ear, like while the music's playing. I don't know how exactly it works, but um, somehow it it molds to your the shape of your ear, and then as soon as it's done, it says it's done. You're all set or something like that, right yeah, after the recording of the music. So he he thought the setup was really clever, easy to do. Uh, Now, you know, he's saying, oh, I'm going to use this before the race and jam out and I'll use them on the airplane and that kind of thing. But I was thinking, man, you you hook this up to your PC and you do iRacing with them, you know, now I don't think they would necessarily work for my situation where I'm running really loud sound and I'm using a headset uh, with a microphone, but these have a built-in mic. Um, if you're not running you know loud volume like I am this might be a neat uh, way to get sound to you the other thing I was thinking is what about VR users uh, looking for a way to get good good audio
2: well I just put my headphones on over mine it's pretty easy um, I don't think earbuds ever get as much deep sound as you can get from over the ear it's just you're just dealing with a much smaller speaker
1: yeah right? the can- cans are just have much more room for a, a bigger speaker, right? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you've got to have, to create the slower vibrations,
2: you've got to have enough of a, a piece of metal that can vibrate that slow, basically. So, um, the, though, I, I, I'm interested in these just for the form-fitting thing because I do have a set of earbuds that that just won't stay in my ears. They don't fit. And I, I bought them because they're waterproof, so I could actually literally swim laps with them. Turns out Bluetooth doesn't work at all in water, though. So, you, you, as soon as you are one inch underwater, the signal goes away. So they're basically just protected in case you get wet. Um, but they don't; they never stay in my ear, so they keep sliding out and getting really tinty, losing all the bass now. So that part's interesting. The other thing I don't like about for eye racing is I don't want to have to constantly be worried about if if my earphones have enough charge or not to run a race.
0: No. And the other thing is, when I, I'm listening to stuff into my ear, it's just voice. It's just chat, team speak, driver chat, you know, because all the engine noise are coming out, different speakers. So if you're using these just to get voice chat in your ear, I think it doesn't matter if it's got a lot of low end and all that. Two hundred and twenty nine ninety nine, White I'd or been... black.
3: I'd be interested in trying these for the form fitting because if I wear earbuds for like 20 minutes, half an hour, my ears start hurting and getting sore. So I'd be interested to see if that form fitting would allow me to actually wear them for an extended period of time. Pretty
0: cool. Pretty neat idea.
2: All right. That's a wrap on the Metro Ford hardware software section.
0: NASCAR iRacing series, let's talk results, and finish up Coda, Friday Open. Justin, P12, just tried to keep it, had to take a pass through for the 17X that made it all the way to the last lap, and then got the 25X DQ on the track. That was my first road course NIS. I bust up on SR and IR, so I will call it a win, P12. David, you got a P8.
2: Yeah, I was already I already knew that it wasn't a, wasn't a whole lot of point in running because of the way the points work, but there was enough of the f- team driving that I was just figured it'd be good to hop on and race with everybody. So I did. Um, it was pretty neat because I got to race with Derek Limke. He ran this race. I think he came in like P2 or P3. He was right up there. Um, guy can, can really race. He's one of those that his real world skills are transferring over to the iRacing more. Um, yeah, uh, there were no major mistakes, and um, I think I had to lock the brakes up once to keep from spinning out and g- giving up a few spots early. But I-, I just finished basically where, with the speed that I had in P eight. So
0: I didn't write my result because I rage quit. <laughs> I haven't yeah, done were, that in a long time. <laughs> hey,
2: you poof, got up in our, up, you got up in our split and got your ass handed to you.
0: Well, I had ten X by the end of lap one so that tells you how it went but 10 of that well 4 of that 10x was my teammate Greg who got spun he was up by David's somewhere he he got doored or something he ended up back where I was and at some point he got turned again and I ran into him and uh, yeah it was just one of those races. Did Greg finish? I have no idea uh, I don't you really a rough ways
2: Um, I don't recall. Uh, Um, yeah, I don't recall.
0: All right, moving on. Saturday fix, Justin P12 again. Oh, no, that's a copy from the previous uh, entry. Moving on to Wednesday open, Richmond. Tony Rochette missed it for knee surgery. And I got a P3. That ties my best result for the year. Um... I have not won this year yet in this series, but uh, I've, I've gotten third at Phoenix, Watkins Glen, uh, California, and now Richmond. Uh, ran the back half of the top 10 for the first part of the race. I gradually moved for, forward uh, as it coming up to the end, but ran out of laps P3. And I told you guys today this, I said, I tell you what, races like last night is what this is all about. That feeling I have running third with these fast kids and otherwise, man, I was coming too. But just the whole investment of my time, energy, and money into this hobby, it all pays off when you have these freaking awesome runs. I have never driven so hard in my life that race. I was shaking like a leaf, sweating like a pig, and smiling like I was stoned. Great, great event, uh, great set, and... uh, I, you know, I didn't have enough to win it. If I had some more laps, I might have. But, uh, yeah, great, great race. Uh, McKenzie, you got a DNS. Yeah, so uh,
3: I picked up a VR headset last weekend there, and I can't open Race Labs on it unless I run it through Steam VR, which I still couldn't get working, so I found online to download this other program and start changing settings. And it just wasn't working so i just gave up on trying to do that and then after doing that i couldn't get it to launch in the vr so i actually ended up having to uninstall i racing and reinstall it to be able to launch it in vr so i i didn't get that done in time so i didn't get to race last night but i am planning on racing tomorrow night
0: you were registered i think and you just couldn't get in right
3: yeah i i had it working all day and then i just wanted to have the race labs was playing around trying to get it and it was working up until i just couldn't get it to and then i didn't want to run it through uh steam vr because i got the oculus quest 2 but it doesn't run very well through steam vr but i could only get it to run through steam vr and then when i deleted steam vr i just couldn't even get it to open up in vr mode at all so
0: all right david uh your race was something about uh wesley's shit box rig
2: do
1: what?
0: You're next.
2: Yeah, uh, you mentioned Wesley's shitbox rig. That's actually uh, a guy was in the race named Wesley. Um, I don't know why you, you saw that. Was that on the script? Did you see that somewhere, or did you just
1: remember that?
0: It's in the results, Dave. Yeah, it's we're looking at the results.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, I did put it at the end of the results, but that's that was just a, a guy. I, he was talking about his rig. Um, how he uh, basically said it was kind of a redneckish rig and I said hey send it to us and we'll put it on the show I thought he sent us something but I couldn't find it on the page but as far as me personally I just got screwed over by my, my VR I rebooted literally before the race got in and ran some practice laps was running fine in the race in the middle of a, in, of a green flag run I'm on the outside it goes gray. I I scream out that I've 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 lost my lost lost sight basically I said I'm I'm blacked out and I I just turned the wheel to the right and put it in the wall, um and everybody got by me I came back in time and I kept enough speed that it didn't bring a caution out but I just knew that it would probably keep happening so I went ahead and pulled into the pits and just rebooted and decided I didn't care I decided, I came back on the re- after rebooting just to see if it would happen again after the reboot and it didn't so i went ahead and turned it into a practice session i would race the guys i could get back up to about 10th or 12th without being too aggressive i would i would pass the guys that i could pass as long as they weren't really actively trying
1: to pass somebody essentially so dave Uh, this uh wesley johnson dave uh dave uh so he's in your split so he might have a ship uh box uh, rig but apparently he does pretty good if he's if he's up in your in your uh, splits there
2: yeah and I'm, I'm i'm guessing he's probably gonna listen to the episode and uh uh i don't know if he if he if you remember to check it i could have sworn i saw a notification from him somewhere but now that i'm going went and looked for it i couldn't find it um but, yeah, we, we remember the last time Tony was on here. Uh, he, got, he gets an argument with us about he doesn't think better equipment makes you better. And we don't always agree on that because it, it can in certain situations for mediocre drivers. But talent can override bad equipment in some cases.
0: Now, I want to do a quick rig review of Wesley's picture here he sent us. So you did find it. Yeah, it's in the script here, and I'm going to try to uh, visually describe what I see. And and no offense, Wesley, at all. uh, I mean, but you got a room here. It looks like there's a lot of different boxes of stuff, some suitcases, a variety of items kind of lined up. It kind of looks like a pile of stuff ready to go to Goodwill. Um, And then he's got his rig kind of haphazardly set in front of all this equipment and stuff. Uh, uh, you know crooked it's it's not lined up against the wall or anything like that it's just in, in the middle of the room and and the wires are pulled really tight and strung at, a, at an angle across the room creating you know tripping hazards and you has got a g29 or g920 logitech uh, a really old uh, kitchen chair that looks like the back is kind of twisted a little and uh, everything is attached to like a tv tray with a small monitor uh but hey if it works it works
2: actually it's a 1950s school desk
0: no is that right what either. it is yeah yeah you can kind of tell when you look at it uh, a teacher would know right
1: well he said oh so when i'm looking at this i'm thinking how how does he keep his pedals from moving you know there's there's no way to keep those pedals from sliding around i don't think um unless logitech's got a great um great way of connecting it to uh to the f- carpet or something
3: but
0: they have uh, like claw
3: stuff that yeah, they, claws. They, yeah they claws yeah they have a like a carpet claw thing that goes down and just grabs onto that carpet as you push on it and it's pretty strong had, then.
2: the ones that i had didn't because i had to have a uh,
1: box basically to put up between them and the wall yeah, I did this, I did basically the same thing when I first started. I guess they're them old ones. Yeah, yeah, it's a G27, so slide all over the place. Yeah,
2: hopefully uh, we'll see if this VR crashed out on me one more time, because I did everything, including a fresh reset. I'm able to get it to, to be consistently on, but what it, what's happening is it's a tracking issue. You'll see, you'll see the tracking start to jump around and the car will suddenly be in a different place, and then it'll just go completely gray.
0: Moving on, Kyle Pendygraft, he got wrecked out. He said he, he spun off on his own and hit the inside wall and blew the engine. Tyler Williamson was in my split. He ran P13. Started in the back, quickly felt no feedback in the wheel. Managed to keep it straight till first caution and reset the wheel. Feedback was fixed, but the brake and clutch did not calibrate. It was not fun until about halfway until I could fix it again. Finally got it. And drove like hell the Snake 13th. Hashtag exhausted. Tom Dryling was in our uh, event and he was wrecked out. He was literally the fastest car on track. He came from the back. He went by me and went on up there. And he was ahead of me when someone doored him and spun him down to the inside on the back stretch. He came to a stop with no damage, and sure enough, someone arca braked. Uh, into him and destroyed the car. All right, my race today, Thursday open, I qualified P5. I was running third, uh, got a bit loose, uh, then tagged and spun, one minute damage. I restarted 31st, got to 19th by the next caution. Uh, By lap 46, I got tagged in the big one and spun, uh, no additional damage, but I'm in the back again. By lap 102, I made it up to at least P4. Stayed in the top five, uh, top three, uh, right up until the end. I actually restarted third on the green-white checker, uh, number one, and I just didn't have any speed for the guy who won it. The guy who won it today was the guy who finished second to my third the night before. Um, He was approximately one-tenth quicker than I was, and so he deserved it, but... uh, Man, it felt good to have two top fives in a row. Other official racing, I ran the production challenge at Monza. Whoa, what a fun configuration this is. You run the oval backward, then it branches off to part of the road course, but when you're on the road course, you drive through the chicane. It is a total blast. I had no idea about this particular Monza configuration. I finished a tracks. G4. Oh, man. I love the oval backwards thing.
2: Well, the oval's backwards, and it's also really cool because when you're running the road course of the park, you're on on the front stretch on the left side of the wall, and when you're running the oval, you're on the front stretch on the right side of this little separated wall, so you're kind of seeing people that you're not on the track with, not in the same track position with, but you end up beside them at at different times.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it was like 40 cars, I finished fourth, Uh, total blast. I uh, did it again. I started 11th, got to six by the end of lap one, but actually spun on my own and fell back to 17th, was able to rally to finish 14th. Then I tried Delara Dash at Texas. Started eighth, finished first. Great battle for the win and fairly clean. I'm telling you, that's a great combination. Then I ran the Toyota GR86 at Monza again, finished P7 after getting wrecked on lap one. Then I ran the 87s at Talladega P2. Then back to Delara Dash at Daytona this time. Wrecked out before the end of lap one. Um, wow, before I wrecked though, I did see a high speed at the end of the back stretch at 254 mile an hour. Then I ran my weekly Gen 4 Richmond. Uh, for the Gen 4 series, I had a huge save where I turned left really hard down to the grass to drive around a massive pileup was able to bring it home P7. The force feedback actually feels really good at this track and it was really fun to rip the top at Richmond in the Gen 4. This was the first week in Gen 4 that it felt good as far as the feedback and and the, I don't know, I just felt different at Richmond than it did last week. I don't know what it is. All right, and that brings us to OBRL Cup, Brian P18.
1: Yeah, uh, so <laughs> it was a bit of a cluster at the beginning of the race. I actually qualified twelfth, but I actually missed the grid because um, the admin made a, a small mistake. It, it was a it was a simple thing that uh, happened where. Um, Me and a couple other drivers missed the grid. Um, Luckily, you know he he was nice enough to delay the start of the you know the the race went green and then he threw a caution immediately. So all the guy, the couple guys who who had to start from the um, pits were able to get back on and not lose a lap or anything. So what really what it really meant was instead of starting P12, I started like P38 or something like that. So it was a full field again. Um, So we raced at at uh, Kansas. Um, or, I'm sorry, Kentucky. And uh, I practiced all week for Coda because I was too dumb to look at the schedule. I just figured we were following the the NASCAR schedule, like typical. But I guess the OBRL guys were smart enough to not try to throw in that road course. So I, I practiced for the wrong track all week. So I I, uh, I did the you know I had a, about a 45 minute practice before the race started. It was feeling terrible. Uh, didn't have a didn't do well in practice, but I uh, wound up qualifying pretty good. And then when I started in the back, um, I started to get a little bit of a rhythm and actually moved up at one point, getting up to high as eighth. Um, and then uh, a couple cars got by me, and then there was a really late caution. Uh, so a green-white checker finish. I started 12th in that green-white checker, and uh, it got a little, too, uh, a little too crazy for me. Uh, and I got shuffled back to eighteenth to finish. I already had four X at that point. And if I got another in another wreck I was gonna be DQ'd. So I I erred on the side of not getting any more incident points rather than, than getting real aggressive on that green white checker because uh, you know, I would've I would have dropped a bunch of spots if I got that DQ. So not too bad, all things considered.
0: All right, very good. Let's jump to final thoughts, Brian McCoven.
1: Uh, so um, this coming weekend, I'm going to be heading out to Lincoln Speedway. So one of the new dirt tracks that I recently just came out a couple builds ago, um, to watch a buddy of mine's kid run his first race in a 358 wing sprint car. So that'll that'll be fun to see. Um, I'm rooting for him. Uh, Cole Knops, his name, and he's going to be running the 358s at uh, Lincoln. And uh, so yeah, so I'm going to get some real real world uh, racing watching in.
0: All right, that does sound like fun. Get some earplugs for that. David Hall, final thoughts.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: hopefully Sunday we don't have a VR issue. I don't get to run Friday night, be doing a band trip and dodging tornadoes at the same time.
0: Still no um, worries about changing equipment, considering your problems? or.
2: Uh, I'm thinking about what I could change to. You know, but the, the options are are either worse or way expensive.
0: Right. Way expensive is the bad option. All right. McKenzie Stevens, final thoughts.
3: Yeah. I'm looking forward to running the NIS race tomorrow, considering I barely ran in the last week with not really liking running at Coda. Uh, I'm excited to run the first one with the, the VR. It it's crazy. The amount of immersion you get, on that compared to a single monitor but uh yeah other than that i gotta work all weekend so i won't be doing any racing this weekend so tomorrow night will be the the one i get this week
0: yeah so it'll be richmond side by side and vr i mean you you feel like you're going to be turning your head yeah you know, to the inside to to see where they are you know that kind of thing
3: yeah definitely i've i ran a few just going on practicing just getting a feel for the vr I also, I wanted to, I jumped in on a 305 dirt sprint car, and that's really cool to run in VR.
0: All right. Uh, my final thoughts. Wow. Uh, like I said before, what it feels like to run good, to be upfront in contention for wins, man, it feels good. I, I mean, it just validates all the time spent, the money spent, um, I'm an old guy, but man, I can mix it up with these young guys, and and it's fun. And um, I can't tell you how much fun I am. I, I, I'm having running the NASCAR iRacing series. Um, it's a challenge. I love challenging things, and um, I'm gonna get that win. I, I'm just knocking on the door. You know what track is it gonna be? Well, I got two thirds in a row, and so maybe Friday night uh, I can win it. So. Um, With that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.